Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Carrie Gino continues our series on Lessons from Life Stories, looking at the life of Abigail. And now, here's Carrie. Hello, welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly 2021. One day a minister noticed that he was putting his congregation to sleep with a rather dry sermon. So to wake folks up, he declared, I've lived with a woman for over 17 years who is not my wife. And as you can imagine, the sleepy heads in the pew quickly woke up and paid attention. Then he declared, the woman was my mother. And he proceeded to talk about the effect that his mother had on him. It so happened that another preacher was present that day and was amused by the wit of the preacher. And he made a mental note to use the same technique back at his church. So on his first Sunday back in the pulpit, he opened with the same line. For 17 years, I lived with a woman who was not my wife. An awkward silence lingered as the preacher realized that he forgot the punchline. Finally, he confessed, and for the life of me, I can't remember who she was. Today, we want to look at a woman who came into David's life and saved the day. Like David, many of us have known wonderful women, full of wisdom, who have made a huge difference in our lives. And the last thing we want to do is forget them and the blessing that they have been to us. <coughs> Our story this morning is about such a woman. The story of Abigail is found in 1 Samuel chapter 25, verses 1 to 44. 1 Samuel chapter 25, verses 1 to 44. Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him. And they buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David moved down into the desert of Maon. A certain man in Maon, who had property there at Carmel, was very wealthy. <clears throat> he had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband, a Calebite, was surly and mean in his dealings. While David was in the desert, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent ten young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them, and the whole time they were at Carmel, Nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants, and they will tell you. <clears throat> Therefore, be favorable towards my young men, since we have come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. Nabal answered David's servants, who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat that I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men coming from who knows where? 
David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, put on your swords. So they put on their swords and David put on his. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. One of the servants told Nabal's wife, Abigail, David sent messengers from the desert to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us, and the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were, they were a wall around us all the time. We were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do, because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Abigail lost no time. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seahs of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, and two hundred cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, Go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. But she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine. There were David and his men descending towards her, and she met them. David had just said, It's been useless all my watching over this fellow's property in the desert, so that nothing of his was missing, and he has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, My Lord, let the blame be on me alone. Please let your servant speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. May my Lord pay no attention to that wicked man Nabal. He is just like his name. His name is Fool, and folly goes with him. But as for me, your servant, I did not see the men that my master sent. Now since the Lord has kept you, my master, from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, may your enemies and all who intend to harm my master be like Nabal. And let this gift, which your servant has brought to my master, be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's offense, for the Lord will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my master, because he fights the Lord's battles. Let no wrongdoing be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my master will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has done for my master every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him leader over Israel, my master will not have on, this, on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed, or having avenged himself. And when the Lord has brought my master success, remember your servant. David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. 
May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. When Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He was in high spirits and very drunk. So she told him nothing until daybreak. Then in the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things. And his heart failed him and he became like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise be to the Lord, who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. Then David sent word to Abigail, asking her to become his wife. His servants went to Carmel and said to Abigail, David has sent us to you to take you to become his wife. She bowed down with her face to the ground and said, Here is your maidservant, ready to serve serve you and wash the feet of my master's servants. Abigail quickly got on a donkey and, attended by her five maids, went with David's messengers and became his wife. David had also married Ahinoam of Jezreel, and they both were his wives. But Saul had given his daughter Michael, David's wife, to Paltiel, son of Laish, who was from Galim. David, who had been wandering in the desert because of King Saul was trying to kill him, because King Saul was trying to kill him, he sent some man to seek food from a wealthy man named Nabal. It was customary in the sparsely populated regions near the border for groups of soldiers or mercenaries to provide protection for the local shepherds. David and his 600 men safeguarded Nabal's men in this way. While hiding out in the wilderness, David and his men took the job of protecting the flocks of Nabal. Upon hearing that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent 10 of his men to collect the rightful compensation for the good that they had done. Nabal ridicules David and his men and sends them away without food. David and his men had been protecting Nabal's herds from raids. And according to the customs of that day, at the time the sheep were sheared, it was common for the owner of the animal to set aside a portion of the profit he made and give it to those who had protected his shepherds while they were out in the fields. We learn that Nabal was a rich man. We're told that he was a hard, stubborn, belligerent type of man who was also evil in his business dealings. When David gets wind of Nabal's refusal not to help, he assembles his men and he goes to destroy Nabal. During this time, Abigail, Nabal's wife, is made aware of the situation and she quickly makes enough food to feed David and his men. Then she got on her donkey and intercepts David and his men 
and she does two things. She asks that the blame be placed on her and offers the food to David and his men. Abigail stopped a hostile situation from taking place. She protected her husband from the danger that he didn't know was coming by taking care of David's needs. We note that the servant went to Abigail and not to Nabal. Why? Probably because he was unapproachable. The most foolish thing that any of us can become is unapproachable. But that's what fools are. But in contrast to Nabal, Abigail is full of wisdom, and anyone can approach her. She knows her husband's weaknesses, and she moves quickly to protect him and everyone else. Abigail recognizes the injustice that took place. Nabal's servants told her how David and his men protected the herds. They were well treated by David, and his men did nothing and nothing, sorry, they were well protected by David and his men, and nothing went missing while they were protected. These men risked their lives for Abigail's family, and they deserve to be paid. Notice her tact and her humility. She fell on her face before David, and six times calls herself your maidservant, and eight times calls David my lord. And she takes all the blame on herself. Besides providing for David's men's needs, Abigail also instructs David well. She tells David that his actions were wrong. David, you just can't kill Nabal. You're the future king. Abigail was able to think straight, something David wasn't able to do, and eased David's anger. She pointed out the consequences of acting in anger. David would be guilty of shedding blood needlessly. And later, when David became king, his actions might erode the confidence and support of the people of Judah. She also urged David to leave vengeance in God's hands. God, who rights all wrong, would care for David and take care of all of David's enemies. Impressed by the words of this bold and yet humble woman, David blessed her for keeping him from acting hastily. God did deal with, God did deal with Nabal. When Abigail told him what happened, <clears throat> scripture tells us that he had a heart attack and died. Abigail's beauty and wisdom made her a fitting queen to be, and so David married her. <clears throat> What lessons can we take from today's story that will benefit us as we try to serve them? First and foremost, we learn the lesson that anger must be properly managed and directed. An old saying goes something like this, those who fly into a rage seldom make a safe landing. We must, with God's help, determine we're not going to let anger control us or our behavior. When we find ourselves becoming angry, we must stop and ask why we are angry. What's going on inside us? Proverbs 29, verse 11. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. James chapter 1, verse 19 to 20. My dear brothers, take note of this. 
Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. We need to proceed slowly when angry. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. We need to address anger and not let it simmer to a boiling point. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 to 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiveness is a way of getting rid of bitterness and unresolved hostility. Another lesson we learn is that God is fully capable of handing out rewards and punishments. We don't need to take matters into our own hands. Our job is to trust in the Lord and wait upon him. God did not need David to take that matter into his own hands. So in the end, David is kept from doing what is wrong. And Abigail does what is right. And both of them are blessed by the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. It is his to avenge and repay. He is the righteous judge. We simply must trust and obey. David and Nabal can be seen as representatives of the two responses that people have to Christ. Nabal does not repent or acknowledge his sin. Neither does he thank Abigail for her willingness to risk her own life on his behalf. On the other hand, David's heart is tender and repentant, and he calls Abigail blessed for her actions. David is spared the consequences of the sin that he had planned, but Nabal dies in his sin, and David marries Abigail. In the end, Nabal's wealth, his wife, and his very life are taken from him. This might seem like a happy ending for Abigail, but about the same time, David marries another woman, Ahinoam of Jezreel, and she later gives David his eldest son, and Abigail later gives him his second son. And we hear no more about Abigail after this. She seems to have been relegated to a secondary political status in David's court. David takes many other wives. We can't know for certain how many wives David had, but later on in 2 Samuel, we're told the name of 10 of his wives. And however, it says in 2 Samuel 5.13 that when David got to Jerusalem, he took more wives. And we're not given the names of these women. In addition, David had an unknown number of concubines. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, 17, God forbid kings from taking multiple wives. It says, he, the king, must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. David, as well as the kings which followed, including his son Solomon, who had 700 wives and 300 concubines, disobeyed this command. Except for Abigail, 
It's hard to like anyone in this story. All of them, including David, behave badly. A reminder that the Jewish scriptures often describe people as they are and not as they should be. Abigail, a savior, full of beauty, wisdom, and discretion, enters a loving relationship with David. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And indeed, Abigail truly was a peacemaker. And David commends her in verse 32 and 33. David says to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. In contrast to what the world's cultures may say, and in the Old Testament, where women lived in a world that had far less equality than exists today, Scripture honors women who were anything but quiet, fearful, submissive, or weak when it comes to discerning the will of God and obeying him. God consistently honors their boldness, not in being aggressive towards men or others, but in their wisdom and obedience to God. When we think of types and shadows of Jesus, for instance, the bronze serpent in John 3.14, manna, John 6.51, rock in the wilderness, 1 Corinthians 10.4, or certain individuals like Joseph, Moses, David, and Solomon, they probably come to mind. But Abigail, probably not, but she should. In Abigail, we have a small picture of the ultimate Savior, the source of beauty and wisdom, who desires a loving relationship with us forever. Abigail rode on a donkey on the way to make atonement for Nabal's sin, just like Jesus rode on a donkey on his way to make atonement for our sin. John chapter 12, verse 14 to 15. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, Just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Abigail washed servants' feet. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaiden, is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. Similarly, Jesus washes his servants' feet. John chapter 13, verse 5. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Abigail wanted to bear Nabal's iniquity. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Jesus bore our iniquity. Isaiah 53:11, For he shall bear their iniquities. Abigail provided an offering for Nabal's sin. And now let this present <clears throat> that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young man who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant. 
Similarly, Jesus provided an offering on our behalf so that we would be forgiven. Ephesians 5, chapter, verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling aroma. Abigail was accepted as an intercessor. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. David accepted Abigail, not just as an intercessor, but as an intercessor between God and man. Similarly, the father accepts the son, who serves as an intercessor between God and man. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Abigail turned away wrath. David says to Abigail, Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you, who have kept me this day from blood guilt, and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Abigail turned away the wrath that was against Nabal, like Jesus turns away the wrath that's against us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other religions, people accomplish appeasement through the sacrifice that they provide. But in Christianity, God accomplished appeasement through the sacrifice that he provided. God's wrath was turned away from believers because it was poured out on his son. And so we are reconciled to our loving father. Scripture says Jesus is our appeasement. Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Jesus, whom God set forth as an appeasement by his blood. And because we are so blessed to have been born and to live on this side of the resurrection, and because we focus on our Savior, it's easy to see how on every page of the Old Testament that it points to Christ, our Savior. One thing that sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world, including the law of the Old Testament, is not turning from sin, not prayer, not confession, or moral living. For all these practices can be found in one form or another in other religions. The one thing that makes the Christian faith unique is grace. And grace is not a doctrine, but a person. And his name is Jesus. Grace is not one of God's blessings, but all of them wrapped up together in Jesus. Religion says you have to get cleaned up before you can come to God. But grace declares, come as you are. Religion says you need to do this and that. But grace insists, Jesus has done it all. Religion says you have to keep the rules and make sacrifices. But grace proclaims Christ has kept all the rules on our behalf, and his sacrifice has no sequel. 
Quote Philip Yancey, Grace means there is nothing I can do to make God love me more and nothing I can do to make God love me less. The gospel or good news of Jesus Christ is that you are saved by grace and sanctified by grace. Grace isn't the most important thing in Christianity. It's the only thing. So how should we live our lives then? Not by focusing on the law, not by focusing on good works, but by focusing on Christ, by focusing on grace. When we live this way, then perhaps others will see the love of God in us. So come, let us adore him. He is Christ the Lord. Let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with thankful hearts. We're thankful for this beautiful world and universe which you have created. We're thankful that you have created us to have fellowship with you. We're thankful that you love us so much that Jesus came to do your will. That because of the cross and the resurrection, we can have new life in you. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that you have given us because of Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.